We're so glad you joined us for this message from Anchor Chapel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that this message is an encouragement and a challenge to your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. We have been in this series, Relent. We started this a few weeks ago, and we're talking about Lent, the idea of Lent, which is something that's celebrated by a lot of different churches, but mostly it's famous, especially in our area, it's, it's, it's celebrated by the Catholic Church. And there's nothing about it that, that, it, that as Protestants that we can't enjoy, because the purpose of Lent is to remember the time that Jesus spent in the desert preparing for the ministry God had for him. And we all have a time that we should be preparing for what God has for us in the next season. So that's what Lent is about. It's about taking time to go, okay, God, I know there's something more for me, so how can I get ready for that? So that's what we're doing with with Lent. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm just, I'm kind of distracted this morning because there's been a lot of things going on and that Pitts, can, can you give me that thing? Cause I'm, <sighs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I just, I need to focus. So thanks. Just... Okay. So last week, this just helps me focus. It just helps me focus. Okay. Last week, Pastor Pitts talked about the idea of, of, um, putting off the distractions, right? Uh, putting off the distractions. It, you, I don't know why. I'll look at me like I'm insane. I don't know why. I don't know why. I sent a picture of myself wearing this yesterday to Pastor Pitts, and he just, like, died laughing. Have you ever seen a horse race? You ever seen a horse race, right? You know what they do to the horses? Because horses get distracted. They get distracted, and, and it's because they're, they're looking around, and they, they see the horses in the lanes next to them, and they can hear the horses running, and they can hear the crowds, and they, all of a sudden, they get distracted. So you know what they do to the horses to help them focus? They put blinders on them, right? There's a picture of it here of, of a horse. So that's, they put these, these blinder cups on the side that block out the distractions, right? So that they're not distracted by what's in their life. And that's what we talked about last week, right? And that's what we talked about last week with, with Pastor Pitts was taking away those distractions, taking away the weight. I'm going to take my distraction blinders off for just a minute because I can't see my notes. <laughs> so last week, Pastor Pitts talked about Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out. For us. So he talked about throwing off the baggage, throwing off the distractions, getting rid of the sin, getting rid of the things that weigh us down and stop us from running our race. You remember he had all the bags up here and we, we took away the baggage, right? And so we want to take away our worldly desires so that we can run the race. Pastor Pitt said this last week. If you didn't hear this last week, this is a statement that was worth the price of admission. He said last week, when we do not finish the race we were called to run, the world is stripped of the value of our victory. That's what we come down to is we want to win because the world is going to have value because we're going to we're going to proclaim the glory of God, right? We have to win the race God has put us on so the world will get the value of that, not because of us, but because of God. So we 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 have to put on our blinders, right? We have to get rid of the distraction. I'm going to put them back on here. So here's the deal. We can, we, can, we can take off the distraction, but how do we finish the race? How do we finish the race? How do we get the victory? 
That's what we're going to talk about today because we're going to continue in verse 2 today of Hebrews 12. In verse 2, it says this. It says, we do this. It gives us the answer of how to do it. It says, we do this. We get the victory by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We achieve victory by staying focused on Jesus. We have to take away the distractions, but then we have to put our eyes to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going we're to keep on our blinders, but I'm not going to keep them on the whole time because you won't ever hear a word I say. We're going we're gonna to put on the blinders to block out the distractions, but once we remove the distractions... We're going to focus on Jesus. And why is it that we focus on Jesus? Why is he the example of who we focus on? It's said in the verse that he is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The champion. He was the first champion, the, the pioneer champion. He was the one that set the course and showed us the way. He set the example. And he set a pretty good example, right? He set a pretty good example. He's not like, like you, when you think about who you want to follow with your life, like who you want to use as your example, um, you don't want to like follow an example of a personal trainer who's overweight, right? You go to a personal trainer and he's like, I just want you to do these things and you're going to be in shape. And you're like, but, but you're not in shape, right? That's not a good example. It's, it's like, like following a coach who's never won a game. Like, I can tell you what to do. I can tell you how to win this. And you're like, you never even played this sport in your life. Like, that's not an example, right? It's like going to a financial planner, and the financial planner asks to borrow money from you during the thing, right? Because he's like, I, 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 I don't have any money myself, but if I did, let me tell you what I would do with it. And let me tell you what you can do with your money, right? That's not a good example. When I was in high school, when I was in high school, I was in woodshop, and I had this woodshop teacher, and the, in the first week of class, before you can do any woodshop, they have to teach you safety, right? Because safety comes first. And so he taught us about all of the safety of how to use the saws and everything. The problem was my shop te teacher was missing two fingers, okay? <laughs> So he was not a great example. He wasn't a champion of safety. Now, maybe he had learned a few things, right? He had learned some things along the way. So maybe he's like, he's like, look, look, you got to be safe, right? Because he learned, but he wasn't a champion. He had failed. He had failed, right? With Jesus, he didn't fail. He was the champion. He was the perfect example. And not only was he the perfect example of the faith, he started our faith. He started us out on our race. You know, you can't start your faith journey without Jesus. It takes him, it takes the spirit stirring in your heart and Jesus calling you to him for you to even start your faith journey. It's not possible without him. He starts the faith. And not only does he start it, it says that he initiates and he perfects our faith. He perfects our faith, right? He makes our faith 
better, just like a good coach. A good coach looks at you and says, okay, you're doing a good thing, but let me make it better. Let me change your form. Let me show you how to do this so you can get a better result. And that's what God's doing with us, right? We look, we look to Jesus as our champion, and he says, look, I am going to be a, a, an example, and then I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to push you, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to sculpt you into who you should be to make you better. How did Jesus become the champ? How did he become the champ? He became the champ by, by living a sinless life, right? He fought through life. He fought through life with all the distractions of the world. He fought through life and he pushed him to the side. He spent 40 days in the desert with Satan and he was tempted and he wasn't weighed down by it. He didn't let the baggage get to him. We stay focused on the race just like Jesus. He stayed focused on the race and it wasn't easy. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? It's said in scripture, it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. So Jesus said, look, there's nothing joyful about this cross. There's nothing joyful about this trial, but there's joy on the other side of it. So I'm going to endure the cross of the moment for the joy that's to come. How often are we struggling because we don't want to endure some kind of temporary setback, some kind of temporary obstacle, and we're, we're, say, we're saying, you know what, I'd rather just have happiness right now. I'd rather just take the easy route and have the easy happiness right now instead of saying, I'm going to endure a time that's not perfect because I believe there's joy coming. The joy of Jesus is in front of us if we keep pushing through and enduring the challenge of the moment. It's said that Jesus was disregarding the shame of the cross, right? It said he disregarded the shame. That means he looked at the shame and he was like, I don't even mind it. I don't care. I'm just going to ignore the shame of what's there. I don't care what people think. I don't care if people judge me. I don't care that in the moment he... Do you know how humiliating it was for him to be on that cross? You haven't been through a thing in your life that was humiliated as he was in that moment on that cross, right? He disregarded that shame because of the joy on the other side. And you know what the joy was on the other side? The joy on the other side was two things. Number one, it was being with the Father. And the other thing was you being with him. Wow. That's the joy he was looking for. Have you, ever seen, uh, have you ever seen one of these Tough Mudder races? Yeah. The Tough Mudder races, there's a picture here. Okay, so these are not like your average 5K, 10K thing. These people are weird. They wanna go run a race and waller in the mud and like do all this nasty stuff and you get to the end and it is brutal. There's actually an obstacle on the Tough Mudder race where they run through a place with wires that are dangling down and it electrocutes them as they're running through. And they endure it to get to the end so that they can have something to celebrate. Now, what they have to celebrate is, is a medal. It's, it's not nearly as good as what Jesus had to celebrate, what you have to celebrate. But they got the medal. At the end of the race for Jesus, he gets done and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. He sits down in victory at the right hand of the Father because he was able to endure the cross. Proverbs 4.25. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. 
Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. We hear in Hebrews that we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, right? We're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion and perfecter of our faith. And Proverbs tells us to look ahead and not get distracted by the left or the right. That sounds great, but how? How do we do it? There are so many things that are trying to get us off course. So how do we do it? The good thing is Proverbs also tells us how. It doesn't just tell us do this. This is the goal. It says here's the goal and here's how you get there. So we're going to back up a little bit in Proverbs. In, in, in verse 20 through 24, Solomon gives us a little bit of wisdom on how to overcome this, how to stay focused on Jesus. So he says this. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 3 gives us three things that we can do, three areas to address in our life if we are trying to get our focus on Jesus, to keep our focus fixed, to keep our path straight. He gives us three areas to focus on. And so I want to talk about those before we get out of here. So the first one is this, how do I refocus my life? The first thing he tells us is pay attention to the word of God. Pay attention to the word of God. He said in there, he said in there that we should pay attention to what I say, pay attention to what God says. And then he gives us three areas that we can do that. He says, turn, he, he says to, to, to pay attention. And then he says, turn your ears to my word. In other words, listen to the word of God. So the first thing he says is use your ears. Use your ears to listen to the word of God. And so how do you do that? Well, you, you, you do that in, in, a, in a service with, with a message. You do that during worship time. But outside of that, you do that by listening to music during the week that brings the word of God into your life, by listening to messages during the week that bring the word of God into your life, by listening to friends who bring the word of God into your life. Yeah. That's how you bring the word of God into your ears to listen to it during the week. But he also says, do not let them out of your sight. So listen to them, but also keep them before you. Keep the word of God in your sight. So you should be reading the word of God. Further than that, you should be studying the word of God. You should be diving deep into the word of God. You should, you should have the word of God around you. Because so like if you come into our house, one of the things we have in our house is we have pictures in different places in the house. That are, they're just frames that have scriptures written on them. So that when we go to the front door of our house, there's a scripture there. When we go to the back door, there's a scripture there before we leave. There's a scripture in the living room. There's a scripture in the hall. There's a scripture in our kids area. Why? Because it's having the word of God in our sight to constantly keep it before you. Maybe, maybe it's in your car. You need to write down scripture and put it on your, your dashboard so that the scripture is before you. It's in your sight. So we have it in our ears. We have it in our sight. And then he says, keep them within your heart. 
Keep it within your heart. So what does that mean? Now, this is the hard one. Everybody's like, I was with you. I was with you. Oh, no. Here he goes. Keep it within your heart. What does that mean? It means you have to remember it. You have to remember scripture. Like, I'm not good with scripture memory. How many songs can you sing? You could sing for 20 hours nonstop, and you can't remember one sentence. You know every single word. You've watched your favorite movie. You quote it line by line, your favorite movie. I can't remember a single scripture. It's the word of God, right? It's the word of God. We talked about this week in our, in our momentum group. This is the love letter that God wrote to us, and we won't even spend enough time in it to memorize those things that he's telling us. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's why we hide God's word in our heart. That's why we put it in our heart. Why? Because it helps us to not sin. When we come to the point of temptation, we quote scripture. In fact, Jesus does that with Satan. When Satan tempts him in the desert, Jesus quotes scripture back at him as a defense. It's like a concealed weapon hidden in you, right? you got your concealed weapon, and right at that point that the devil's coming up trying to do something, God says, that he sends a spirit, and the spirit stirs inside of you, says, hey, don't forget, you got that weapon back there. And he reaches inside of you, pull it out, and you throw the scripture at the, at the enemy, and the enemy backs up. He's like, whoa, I didn't know you had that, yeah. right? I didn't know you had that. The enemy won't stand in the face of scripture. The enemy cannot overcome scripture. It's a concealed weapon that we store in our hearts so that when sin comes, we don't fall prey to it. Distractions come to run you off course. The first thing we do to refocus is to pay attention to the word of God. How else do we do it? We refocus our life by guarding our heart. By guarding our heart, it says. It says to guard your heart. Everything that you do, it says, flows from the heart. In your body, think about it. Everything that is in your body is supported by the heart. All the blood in your body flows through the heart. Without the heart, you've got no life. You've got no life. You can go around without an arm. You can go around without a leg. You can go around without an eye or an ear. But you can't go around without a heart. You have to have a heart. So, so God says, look, you need to guard your heart. Pastor Pitts talked about last week the idea of sin getting on us and contaminating us. And not only does it get on you, it gets in you. It contaminates and poisons the heart. If you have a heart that is poisoned, it's going to pump poison to your whole body. It's going to go everywhere, right? So you have to address the heart. And God says, once you've gotten it cleaned up, once you've taken my heart and put it into you, once you've got that heart, protect it. Because it's so hard to fix. It's so hard to soften a hardened heart. So God says, guard your heart. The third thing to refocus your life is this. It's to control your tongue. Control your tongue. The heart and the tongue, see, they work together, actually. But it says, control your tongue. And when it says the tongue, um, it, it, here's the deal. The tongue is more of a, a symptom because the tongue actually is just what exposes the condition of your heart, right? When you talk and that comes out of your mouth and you're mean or you're nasty or you're ugly or you say something, it's, it's really just a reflection of what's inside of your heart. James 3 says this. It says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing 
but it makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire, and among all the points of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire because it is a fire, because it is set on fire by hell itself. Okay? The tongue has the power, it says, to corrupt your entire body and set your whole life on fire. Now understand the tongue is not just, none of this. This is the tongue in my mouth, but that's not just your tongue. When it's talking about the tongue in scripture, it's not talking about just this piece of flesh. It's talking about what controls the tongue. The tongue is controlled by your mind, right? Your mind controls the tongue. And so it's, it's controlling what you're thinking about and controlling what you're saying. Why? Because you're going around and you're saying things that not just are exposing you, but they're ruining others. And they're speaking pain into others' lives. And they're taking away your ability to have influence in other people's lives because you're saying things that push them away. And so you have to control your tongue. And you're like, well, so I'm just going to put on a show. I'm just going to, I'm going to say the right things. No, because when we control our tongue, it gives God the ability to continue to work on our heart and on our mind and to get those things out of our life. It's part of the process. Really the, the last two, the tongue and the heart, they work together, but they're only possible with the first instruction. That's really the only, Proverbs says in there that his word brings health to your whole body. So if you're saying, my heart is sick, my tongue, my mind, the things I'm thinking and saying are sick, it's because you need to go back to the word of God. That's where you're going to find health to clean those things up. If you're struggling to guard your heart, then protect it with the word of God. If you're struggling because your tongue's out of control, tame it with the word of God. The word of God is the weapon we're going to use to guard those things. Some of you are, uh, are running your race, but you struggle because you keep getting off course. You keep getting off course in your race. Last week, Pastor Pitts talked about this. He talked about that in your race... In your race, you, you can be running a race, and if you step out of your lane, you step into somebody else's lane, then you can get disqualified in the race, right? If you're running in a track meet and you step in the other lane, you get disqualified. You're out of the race. And that's true, but this morning, I want to give you some other hope. The good thing is, with Jesus, you're never out of the race. You are never out of the race. You might have been disqualified by from some things in your life. You might have been disqualified for some, for some things in your life, but as long as you're breathing, you are not disqualified from God's purpose for your future. Okay? Focus on the leg of the race that you are running right now. Don't focus on, on what you messed up on before. Here's something that you need to write this down. Because this is something that many of you need to have in your life and you need to have before you because you're struggling, feeling disqualified. But your past failures don't disqualify you from your next victory. Wow. Your past 
failures don't disqualify you from your next victory. You may have failed in the past and you may have been disqualified from some things in your life, but the victory God's calling you to is still there. You're not disqualified from finding victory because victory, here's the thing, you are not qualified for victory based on yourself anyway. The victory you find in life is going to be because Jesus qualified you. Alone, we are qualified for nothing. Nothing. There's, a, there's an old saying that Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He brings the qualification to you. Don't think that there's anything about you that he's like, oh, man, I want him because he's got the best talents. Man, I want, I, if only, you know, God didn't walk up to Deshanti and say, man, you could sing. Will you sing for me? Like, because you're qualified, so you'd be a good singer. No, God said, I want you to proclaim the goodness for me. And because of that, I have given you a gift to sing. He qualified. He gave her that ability. There's a great example of this uh, in, in, the, in the Bible. There's the Apostle Peter. And the Apostle Peter follows Jesus through his time. And he does some things that are great, and he does some things that aren't great. One of, the, one of the stories we remember about Peter that's so victorious is the story of Peter walking on water, right? He goes out and what's he do? He sets his eyes on Jesus and he walks on water. Victory, victory. But in the next, in the next part of the story, what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks, right? He has victory and then he has a failure. Later in the story, Peter falls asleep in the garden, right? Jesus says, hey, just stay here and pray for a while. I'm going to go over here, but you keep praying. And, and Peter falls asleep. A little bit later, Peter is, 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 is with people and Jesus is being, he, he's, he's, he's before, uh, before uh, uh, Caiaphas and he is being prosecuted. And people say, hey, you know Jesus. And he says, no, I don't. I don't know the man, right? He denies Jesus three times. He fails three times. In fact, in fact, later, Peter actually walks away from being an apostle. He says, I'm not qualified anymore. I can't do this. I'm leaving. I'm out. And Jesus goes and grabs him and he brings him back and he forgives him and he qualifies him for the next step. And it's because of that that Peter is known as the rock of the church, right? Peter screwed up all the time and he was still qualified for the next step, for the next victory. As we finish up today, I just want us to think about, there's a reason we sang that song earlier. We sang that chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. As we're trying to refocus our life, we're trying to, to take away distractions, yes, but we've got to turn our eyes to Jesus, to focus on him. I love that the song says, when we turn our eyes to Jesus, we look full on his wonderful face. And then it says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The distractions, the sin, the things of the world that, that constantly have our attention. If we'll look to Jesus, they fade because his glory is at a level so much bigger, so much stronger, it overshines the glory of this world. It overshines the glory of the distractions. And that's what we're doing here today. 
I'm going to invite you, if you will, if you'll stand with us, we're going to have just a moment to, to, to go back into worship. And then we'll, we'll finish up. But, but I just want you for a moment, I want you where you are, I want you to take a moment to stay focused, to regain your focus, and to put your eyes on Jesus. Because when we look to him, we can turn away the distractions and we can focus. Your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the Jesus. We focus back on him. Some of you are probably at a point where you've found yourself feeling unworthy, unqualified. You've found yourself off course. It's okay. It's not a problem. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Let him draw you back onto the course. Get scripture into your life. Get your mind under control. Get your heart under control. Find the focus for him. As we go to Easter in a few weeks, we know the story of Easter, but we want to be ready to celebrate it. We want to have our focus on him. And so I want to take a minute. I want to pray for you. If you find yourself in a position where you say, you know, I am struggling. I'm off course. I'm not where God wants me to be. That's okay. Don't stress about it. Your past failures do not disqualify you from your next victory. God has victory in store for you. There is hope for your future. So if you will, if everyone would do me a favor, if you just put your hands up, we're just going to receive God's calling and focus over our lives this morning. Wherever you are, if you're at home, just put your arms up. Heavenly Father God, I just pray that you would take away the distractions, that you would take away the sin, that you would take away the weight, and in their place, that our eyes would focus on you, that you would, you would 
reach down and just grab our head and just pull it over gently and say, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just look right to me. And I have a purpose for you. God, we know that you have a purpose for us. And so God, I pray that wherever we are right now, that we wouldn't find ourselves feeling disqualified or unworthy of the next victory, but that we would look to you and know that you are qualifying us, that you have a purpose for us, that you have a purpose for our life, that you're gonna do something through us. God, we just trust you. And I pray right now, God, if there's anyone out there that's listening, if there's anyone out there that's listening that's never turned their eyes to you before, God, they've never received the call, they haven't been following you as their champion, God, I pray that right now that you would just reveal yourself to them. If that's where you are, if you haven't found Jesus before, we're going to pray right now, and I'm going to give you the opportunity just to receive him, just to accept him, just to be a part of his mission. So just pray this with me. Say, God, I want to focus on you. God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he gives me purpose. God, I want to I want to find hope in this world. And so God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I thank you for the work that he can do in my life. God, forgive me of my sins. God, show me how to have a life that is focused on living for you. This morning, this morning we are turning our eyes back to Jesus. We have victory coming. We have victory in two weeks. We're gonna celebrate victory like nothing else. Yeah. And so this week, this week, we're gonna, gonna get our eyes back on Jesus so that we're ready for the Super Bowl of church in two weeks. So if you will, put your hands together and give God praise as we put our eyes back to him. Thank you for listening to this message from Anchor Chapel. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries or to support us, you can do that at anchorchapel.com. You can also follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.